Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Pastor Jacob said it well. Uh, it's good to be in the best church in the world, quite honestly. Uh, I think about, uh, I was thinking about this uh, this morning uh, on my way in, and uh, I, I made a statement to, to Pastor Omar the other day just in passing, and it kind of like hit me. Maybe some of you um, could, could relate with this, but I told him, I said, you know, I've been in your church for going on 20 years, and when I said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it like sent shivers down my spine, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. Uh, and I thought my wife, uh, many of you uh, may know this, that she grew up in this church. She's been here since she was nine, so I won't, I won't do the math for you, but she's been here longer than I have. And, uh, um, and uh, one thing that I, I wanna say in honoring uh, our pastors is, uh, there's a lot of words that I could use to describe them. Uh, number one, uh, we love them. My wife and I absolutely love them. They are our spiritual parents. Um, we honor them. Um, but they are people of consistency and integrity. Uh, I can use a lot of other words, but consistency and integrity. And I think about that uh, in my life, just watching uh, him and Sister Letty live uh, in a response to what God has called them to do. Um, personally watching them for the last uh, 19 years, it'll be 20 years next year. Um, and, and then in just conversations with, uh, with, with, with my wife and uh, my mother-in-law and just... Uh, their longevity in this church to see uh, their commitment to the call of God, uh, to just continue to do what God had called them to do. Uh, I'm just so blessed to be uh, a part of their ministry to to uh, to help uh, and assist where where we can, and uh, we're we're just so uh, we're, we're just so honored to do that. I'd ask you to keep our our pastors in prayer. Uh, they're ministering there in Northern California today. Uh, they'll be back today, so pray for traveling mercies as they come back. Uh, but I do want to honor our senior pastors, Pastor Omar Sisoletti. I love them uh, so much. I, I also want to honor uh, our pastoral staff. Uh, you may or may not know this, but Pastor Rob and Carly are uh, at uh, Reach LA. They're in the city of Bell Gardens, and they're ministering there this morning. And so uh, our team is kind of uh, kind of spread out, uh, but everyone is ministering this morning. And and I just want to honor our, our leadership and those that are here that help us continue to do what we're doing here. It's just a blessing to be a part of what God is doing here at Reach Church. How many of you are blessed by what God is doing here? And uh, just looking at, uh, just watching that My Story uh, introduction, and I'm a big fan of the Garcias. I'm sure many of you are too, uh, but I love, uh, I, I absolutely love um, uh, Marcel and Becca Garcia, great, great people. But uh, um, if you've ever, if you ever hung out with, with uh, Marcel, I guarantee that you are like rolling, dying of laughter. Uh, he's, he's, just a, he's just a great guy. But what God has done in his life to see them leading a connect group now and, and ministering in the, in the capacity that they are, uh, it's, I'm just blown away. Just so, so many things that, that are going on. So 
Um, we're going to get into this new sermon series, and um, we might be using some language that's not necessarily familiar uh, to to us. Uh, but uh, we've we've decided to call uh, our sermon series for the month of of December "Revealed to Rescue," and really, it's going to be a a look at Advent. And Advent is again not a word that I don't think is commonly used around here. But um, some may say, "Well, that's a little bit traditional or religious." I'm okay with tradition and religion as long as it leads us to a place of honoring God even deeper in our lives, okay? So I'm not for tradition or religion just for the sake of tradition or religion, but if it leads us into a deeper understanding or a deeper awe of who God is, I'm for that. And so uh, this, this, uh, this month, you'll see different prophecies that we're going to dive into and all of them talking about this coming Messiah. And why is that relevant? Why is that significant for us today? And so... Uh, just a, a little bit of understanding here um, that Advent is uh, originated from the Latin from a Latin word, and all it simply means is the arrival of something, a significant event, and um, and and so not only is this, is this uh, not only is this celebrating or acknowledging the preparation and coming of of Christ at His birth, but it's also celebrating the new life that many of us have experienced. In transformation and coming to understanding this as, as a personal uh, a personal revelation and our lives have been changed but not only that and this is the hope that we all have is that Christ is going to come again I'm gonna say that one more time our hope is that Christ is going to return and see there's uh, when I say that I, I believe that I may split the room there may be some here that are hopefully anticipating that time maybe uh, maybe life has been tough to you. Maybe even, uh, maybe even you're dealing with physical ailments and things like that. And, and you're just, you're just praying, God, just come quickly, right? Uh, there's others here that are sitting in this room that say, uh, that, that aren't necessarily looking so much forward to, uh, to seeing their creator face to face. But I'm here to tell you that there's hope in Christ. And really that's going to be my message today. And uh, we're going to be looking at the, prof, uh, the prophet Isaiah and uh, what he had to say. But before I get into that, why don't we pray? So pray with me. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, God. We thank you, God. Lord, that in you we could find true hope. Hope isn't found in the things of this world. Hope isn't found in the securities of our job or our bank accounts, God. But our hope is firmly entrusted in you. And Father, we thank you that you're faithful. We thank you, God, that you're trustworthy. And so I pray to, today, God, as I minister your word, Father, that it would go forward with strength, God, and power of transformation. Father, help us, Lord, to understand deeper and help us to have a deeper awe of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, uh, I, I was, uh, I, I, uh, this Friday... Uh, for our connect group, we got together. We went to the Bellflower, the city of Bellflower tree lighting ceremony. Now, this was pretty cool. Those of you that may live in in the uh, in the area, uh, if you didn't go, you you missed out. It was pretty cool. They had uh, they, they had um, uh, snow, man-made snow there, and sleds, and and uh, all this other stuff. You know, coffee, food, all all that all that stuff. And then uh, we were going through. Uh, they built a museum of, uh, what is it, Museum of the Fire Station or something like that, Fire, fire Museum, yeah. And uh, so we went through there and it was a tour and it was cool. Uh, they had a fire hydrant that was uh, uh, removed from uh, ground zero 
uh, there at the World Trade Center. They had it there. And so we were just going through, perusing uh, and, and having a good time. And on, uh, and on our way out, the, the keeper there, um, whoever was facilitating that, as I walked out, uh, we thanked him for his time. They were closing up. And he said to me, Merry Christmas. And this was my first, this was like my first Merry Christmas of the season. Anybody, uh, have you guys experienced that yet? Maybe at the, at, at the stores or something like that. Um, and I know that, I know that evangelist John Tahaji got way out ahead of it, like, like almost two months ago. And he, uh, yeah, I think it was right around like Halloween. He wished us all Merry Christmas. But, uh, but, uh, uh, this Friday was my first, you know, my first Merry Christmas of the season. And uh, we see it all around us, obviously, here, uh, the beautiful decorations that the team put up. Uh, but you may even begin to sense the hustle and the bustle of the season um, here over the next couple of weeks. And many of us are going to be scrambling, trying to get the right gift for our loved ones. Um, and uh, there's going to be Christmas parties and there's going to be all these different things that are going on, which is great. Okay, I remember growing up, uh, uh, my mother, my mother's passed now, but um, I remember Christmas was like, uh, was it for her. And uh, I mean, she was, she was out early getting all the, all the, uh, all the decorations up. Uh, she wore those cheesy Christmas sweat, sweaters. Um, and it was just like, it, it, it was just on and cracking at our house uh, coming, uh, coming uh, during the Christmas season. And uh, that's okay, okay? I, I'm here to tell you that that's okay. But we have to understand that there's a reason for all of that, okay? Uh, and maybe pulling on a cliche, there's, there's a reason for the season, right? And Christ is the reason for the season. And so understanding all of this, that uh, in this holiday season, as we plan to uh, connect with loved ones, as we plan to connect with friends and all that kind of stuff, understanding that there is a, a significant reason as to why we're acknowledging the season. So our sermon series that we're, uh, we're going to be exploring Advent called Revealed to Rescue is just that. It was the prophecies, this, this, this uh, cry before uh, in a time of darkness and hopelessness, there was the, this cry that, that God would raise up a prophet and speak a message of hope to a people that were lost. And so as we, as we look at that and as we understand that, we understand that this revelation, this prophecy that was spoken was a prophecy that was, that was on its way to rescue us from our brokenness. Now, you may be sitting here and you may acknowledge that, yes, Pastor Isaac, I, I am broken. I, I am in need of, of rescuing. Others of us may say, well, there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm here to tell you that uh, uh, in our very nature, we are broken and we are in need of rescuing. And there's nothing that we could do in ourselves. There's no good deed. There's nothing, uh, there's no penance. There's nothing that you could do necessarily that would rescue you from your own brokenness. We need a rescuer and we need a savior and that is Christ. And so I'm sure that all of us, uh, and, and uh, the statistics are, just show this out, okay? That around the holiday season, there's a significant increase in depression, there's a lot of pressure that's put on uh, households to, uh, to, to, to perform, to do all the things that you need to do. And uh, there's, I, I think even in, in this season, um, there's a highlight on those things maybe that you've lost. Uh, over the last couple of years, uh, many of us have lost loved ones, have lost people that uh, were near and dear to us. And even over this last holiday season and, and, and uh, Thanksgiving, uh, many of the tables that we've sat at and we looked around looked very different. And really in the season is a highlight of us, for some of us, of what we've lost. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that there's a message of hope in this season. 
And I acknowledge your pain. I acknowledge that, uh, that, that there are those that we remember. There's those that we love. There's even those that we long for to be with again. But I'm here to tell you that there's hope in this season. And so I, I, one thing that I love about the holiday season, and uh, you, could, um, you could judge me and pray for me about this, uh, is uh, the, the returning of Buddy the Elf. And, and for us in the Roman house, that's the elf on the shelf. Um, I don't know if anybody knows what that is. Maybe some of you, uh, you guys may be judging me right now, but we have uh, Buddy the Elf, and this is Elf on the Shelf. And so he comes out on December 1st, and uh, he goes all over the house. And Mikey, our baby, not so much, he's nine years old, but we call him our baby. Uh, Mikey just loves this. This is, this is like uh, everything for him. Uh, and so I could kind of relive the joy of Christmas uh, in, in my babies. Any, anybody else, uh, uh, anybody else with me there? So I kind of relive this joy and this giddiness of Christmas. Now, one of the things that's significant about Christmas, and um, I'm sure there's parents and grandparents in the room that know this well, is the Christmas list. How many of you, how many of you have received the Christmas list from, uh, from, from your loved ones? Okay. Well, Mikey was sure, was sure to make, to, uh, was sure uh, uh, to, to make out his Christmas list and to give it to us, okay? Not only did he make out his Christmas list, he's been adding things to it. So he gave, he, you know, we gave him one sheet of paper and he's filled, you know, front and back. And now he's adding to that as well. And I'm just like, this kid is, this kid is crazy. But uh, what, what's funny about the Christmas list is that this is not necessarily a wish list. Let me explain. Uh, uh, me, my wife and I, I, I uh, I'm, I'm so honored and blessed. We just celebrated 17 years of marriage. Uh, we have four children. Thank you. We have four children. And, um, uh, and, and this is a fact, okay? I've lived through this. This is a fact that that Christmas list is not a wish list. The Christmas list is something that they expect to see come Christmas. Let, let me, let me, let me like differentiate this for you, Okay. Now, there's a registry list that, uh, that we've all participated in in a life event. What does that mean? So, like, uh, uh, maybe, like, a uh, uh, baby shower, uh, uh, bridal shower, wedding shower, all, all these different things, right? House warmings, all, all these different things. There's a registry. Now, on your registry, uh, you could admit this or not, on your registry, there's some basic things that you put on your registry. And those basic things we sort of expect people to buy. Now, there's this stretch kind of wish list that we add to our registry. Anybody with me? And, and th these things are things that are a little bit more expensive that um, we don't necessarily expect people to buy from us, but we put it on there because someone might be obliged and someone might, might do it. You guys with me? So very, very different, okay? The registry is one thing where we have uh, a little expectation, and then the Christmas list Mikey specifically, the Christmas list, is high expectation. I mean, he expects to see that uh, under the tree come, uh, come Christmas time. And, and uh, really, the, the funny thing about that is this expectation uh, is a hope that understands that uh, because I've asked for this and because I know who my father is and I know that he wants to bless me, I know that he wants to see me happy, I have confidence that he's going to come through and that's going to happen. So, so, much, like, much like what I'm trying to explain to you this morning is this hope that we're supposed to have in Christ. This hope that uh, he's able to fulfill what he said he was going to do. This hope that he is going to come back, that he is going to come back for his bride, you and I. 
And he's going to rescue us from the brokenness. He's going to rescue us from the darkness. This is the same kind of expectation that each and every one of us should be living here on earth. And so Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, let me read this to you. And, and, and I'll, I'll kind of break it down a little bit. But Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, and this is a familiar prophecy for the season. It says this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Verse 3, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The, boy, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Verse six, for a child is born to us, a son is given us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment, listen to this, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And so here's this declaration. I want to give you a little bit of context. Here's this declaration. If you understand the situation here where Isaiah is, re is releasing this prophecy, this word of hope to, a, to, to, to the people of Israel, it's a very dark time. Really what he's talking about here uh, uh, in this situation that Israel had been defeated by the Assyrians. And so they're decimated, they're hopeless, they're broken, there's darkness all around them. They're, they're, uh, they've, been, uh, they, they've been captured and defeated by a pagan people that didn't honor God and didn't honor any of what, what they had going on. If you go back and you just start to exegete some of these scriptures, the first thing that, uh, that, that you would see is that uh, uh, here in verse 2, this is very, very interesting, that, uh, that, Isaiah, that Isaiah is speaking a word of hope in a time of defeat. It makes no sense. We're defeated. We're utterly defeated. And so here's Isaiah declaring a word of hope to help the people of Israel remember that there's a God that loves them. To help the people of Israel remember that there is a God that is going to come and a God that will rescue us. What I love about this when he says that he'll take the darkness and a light will shine from that, what Isaiah is talking about in this prophetic word is a literary motif. And what that means is that it takes a contradiction, a contrast to explain something that's powerful. And so when you say that there's this God that will take darkness and create light out of it. He's saying that God has the power to transform things that look bleak. Now, we read this all the time. We say, yeah, God is going to turn uh, the darkness into light. And that's almost like a, like a bumper sticker. But if you understand and have confidence that God actually does have, have the power to do that, everything shifts. See, what happens is there's times in our lives and situations that we're sitting in that we feel utterly hopeless. Things seem to get worse and worse and worse. There seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel. 
And then we understand this and we have a deep understanding of who God is and what he can do. And we understand that God alone could make that transformation. Verse four, if you look at this, and he, he mentions something that's kind of in passing. He says, you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Now, many of us, as we're reading that, we'll just say, okay, well, that's a city. But if you understand what was happening with the Midianites, this is really a call. And again, listen to this. Isaiah is talking to the people of Israel that know history that point back to a victory. The Midianites are the people, it was, a, it was an army of 135,000 soldiers that were coming against the people of God. Now, many of you know the story of Gideon, the mighty warrior Gideon, yes? And Gideon uh, started with an army, with an army of 30,000 soldiers. God whittled that, or whittled that army down to 300 men. And we know that the story, as, as you play it out, that God gave Gideon the victory, and so what does this all mean? What I'm trying to tell you is that despite the odds of what, what you're looking at, that God is able to give the victory. That there's hope where it seems hopeless, where it seems like, like it doesn't make sense, like there's no, way this, there's no way we could win this battle. God is pointing back to this. Remember, remember what I did. And I'll do it again. This is amazing when you start to understand the prophecy of what God is saying here or what the prophet is saying through, uh, or what God is saying through the, through the prophet. Isaiah goes on and to give names to this savior or this child that will be born. He says, wonderful counselor. This is talking about the omniscience of God, the all-knowing. Uh, if you go and you study this out, you'll see that, uh, this may be simple, but you, you'll see that wonderful counselor ultimately, ultimately means he, he needs no, no help. He needs no wisdom from anybody else. He's got it all figured out. And for many of us here sitting in the room, this should bring great hope to us that uh, you don't have to advise God, okay? God's not looking for your counsel. In fact, God has this all worked out already. God is sovereign. So whatever situation that you're in and you feel like things aren't, aren't coming together, I understand that the wonderful counselor needs no counsel. He's got it all all under control. The second, the second name is Mighty God, and this speaks to God's omnipotence. What does that mean? That God is all-powerful. That God is victorious. That God has never been defeated. That the victory is imminent. The victory is imminent. He is the mighty warrior, undefeated, never lost. Everlasting Father, omnipresence. That means that he's with you wherever you go. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter how dark the situation may seem. Doesn't matter how far you've removed yourself from the presence of God or the community of God's people or even your family that you love. Doesn't matter how far you go. The presence of God is chasing after you. The omnipresence, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And what I love so much is this is depicted, if you go and you read in, in Zechariah and Matthew kind of talks about this, but Zechariah talks about uh, this, this, uh, this warrior that will mount a donkey and come walking, you know, come walking in in the triumphal entry. And if you go and you read that in Matthew, understand this. We, we read this and uh, we don't really understand the context, but the Jewish people that saw this all happening would recognize immediately that this is a, f a fulfillment of prophecy. 
that, that Jesus, as this mighty warrior, is not on a stallion, not on a war horse, but on a donkey, coming in in peace. And understand this, that there's tremendous strength in a king or a ruler that's able to dictate peace in a situation. You're not strong enough to dictate peace in a situation if you're able to be overcome. You understand what I'm saying? So people, you'll say, well, hey, I want peace. Well, someone that's strong will say, I want violence. But because God is all-powerful, mighty warrior, prince of peace, he's able to dictate, dictate to a culture that's gone crazy that there'll be peace. This is the power of God. This is the power of God. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, again, we're talking about the prophecy and making the connection between what Isaiah had prophetically said or written and what's taken place here in the manger. Matthew 1, 22, 23 says, all of this occurred, listen to this, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Again, if you understand the context of the situation, here's Joseph. Joseph was, uh, uh, was engaged to Mary, and Mary was a virgin, and uh, here she's pregnant. That doesn't make sense. And so Joseph concludes, naturally, that his bride-to-be was unfaithful. And so Joseph says, okay, I'm, I, 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 this is disgraceful, and I can't take her to be my bride. I have, to, I have to let her go. Now, many of us know the story. The angel came, spoke, and Joseph stayed. Now, the reason I bring this up is, number one, to understand that the actions, the fulfillment of all the prophets confirms that God is faithful. That's the, that's the message of hope. That generations before... Here was, here was Isaiah declaring these things. Here was Zechariah declaring these things. All these, te- all these testimonies from the prophets declaring all these things. And then here it is in the New Testament, all of these things becoming fulfilled. First and foremost, this is the gospel of hope. That what God said he was going to do, he will do. And if he did it then, he'll do it again. So as you look at this story, you say, okay, well, Joseph, this doesn't make, Joseph is saying this doesn't make sense. I got to, I got to make some changes here. I got to adjust some things here. And, and, and then the angel intervenes and gives direction to Joseph about his life. Now, how many of us, uh, maybe right now you're looking, you're looking to God or you're looking to somebody for direction in your life. There's decisions that need to be made. I, I need to figure some things out. I'm looking for direction. Now, in your situation, things may not make sense. You may be sort of like Joseph, like this stuff's not adding up. What's, what's going on here? I'm, I'm here to tell you that just like this situation, when we're looking for direction from God, we have to incline our ears to God. Understand that God is always speaking through his word. God is always speaking through his word. I, I, I am baffled. I'm telling you, I am baffled week after week, service after service, that a man of God will, will come up here, declare the word of God powerfully. And then like days later, we're talking to someone and they're confused. They don't, they don't understand. And we're just, we're scratching our heads saying, we just talked about this. The word of God gives us clear, clear direction in these things. 
And so understand first and foremost that the word of God will minister to you. If you're not reading your word, I don't know necessarily how you get the word of God. Another way that he does that is obviously through the preacher. As you come to church and someone is ministering, understand that all the words that are being spoken are inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit. And God is giving direction, I believe, even now, over the last 20 minutes that I've been speaking, that God is giving clarity in situations and different things that are going on in your life. And understanding that God always makes his mind known in situations or doubtful situations. God will make his mind known. Even if it's this, just trust me. God will make his will known even if it's just trust me. Now, many of us, we don't like that. We, we want something, something crazy, right? We want something electric, something fun. But here it is. All these events took place to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy that claimed that there would be a child born as a light in the darkness and hope for all people. And this child's name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us, especially in the midst of darkness. How many of us would agree if you look around, um, if you look around the world that there's darkness all over? I am blown away by the level of darkness that is evidence like out there for all of us. But even in that, even in that, there's hope in the midst of darkness. And so Christmas is a reminder, this season is a reminder that whatever it is that we hope for in our lives, whether that's healing, maybe you're here this morning, you're believing God for a miraculous healing. There's people in this congregation that we pray for that God would miraculously heal them. Maybe you're here this morning and you're believing God for restoration, maybe restoration in your marriage, restoration in your family, Maybe restoration in different areas. Maybe you're believing God and you're hoping for forgiveness. Maybe you've wronged somebody. Or you could be an agent of forgiveness and forgive someone that's violated you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I'm just hoping for a fresh start. I've done a lot of things. I've, I've, I've messed up. I've made a lot of bad decisions. In this season, honestly, I just, I'm just hoping for a fresh start. Whatever it is that you're looking for, I'm here to tell you that it's available because God is with us. Emmanuel is with us and hope isn't, an, isn't the absence of conflict. All right, so the hope that I'm telling you, it's not this, oh, I really hope so, like that gift registry, right? The hope that I'm talking to you about is it will happen. Despite the conflict, despite the things that are coming against you, it will happen because hope is a result of the presence of God. I want to ask you, Christian, is the, of, is the presence of God evident in your life? Is the presence of God evident in your home? Is the presence of God evident in your workplace? If you can say yes to all of this, there's hope in your situation. So Emmanuel has come to give us hope, but hope requires patience. I have this illustration, and uh, um, we, could put, we could put that picture up if, if you have it. So I'll read a couple of facts here, and um, you may not know necessarily what that is, but um, 
uh, there's a plant that's commonly known. It's, it's called the agave americana or the century plant, okay? And you may have this in, in your yard. It's a huge plant that uh, you get agave nectar from. Uh, and it grows pretty big. It could grow like six feet in diameter um, or 12 feet in diameter and six feet tall up to, up to that big. And, and the brush is about, you know, I'm just under six foot, so slightly taller than me. It's about as, as big as, it, as it'll grow. And uh, the cool thing about this is that it'll thrive in like deserts or rocky areas. It doesn't matter. Uh, this thing just continues to grow and grow and grow despite the tough situation that's, that's around it. Um, and so what's unique about this is it's got an unusual, unusually long reproduction cycle. And what I mean by that is that for 20 to 30 years, this plant could stay exactly the way that I just said it. So in, in to, to its full maturity, it's about 12 feet in, in uh, diameter or circumference, six feet tall. And that's it. For 20 to 30 years, that's what it looks like. And then all of a sudden, this shoot will start to spring up from that tree. And uh, what, what I read was that it'll grow seven inches uh, uh, per day. Think about this. So for 20 to 30 years, it just stays static. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, seven inches every day to about 20 to 40 feet just springs right up. Now, this is the reproduction cycle. So after that, it'll bloom and blossom into, into flowers, and then it'll create more agaves. You guys, you guys with me? So just like this century plant, just like this agave plant, some of the greatest answers to our hoping and longing take time and patience to see the beauty unfold. All of a sudden, everything could change in a moment. I'm sure there's many here uh, this morning that you would say that, I don't know what exactly happened, but in a moment, everything changed. I think about that in my life. I, I've experienced this in my life, that things were just static. Sometimes things were okay. Sometimes things were really, really bad. But all of a sudden, like this shoot out of nowhere, there was like this ray of hope that just blossomed in my life. And God began to do the work that he told me that he would do and ultimately fulfill that. We could take that, we could take that picture down. This is the patient hope that we all hope to see in God's, in God's work. And I want to tell you that Jesus is the very presence of God on earth. He offers forgiveness of sin. He offers rescuing from, from brokenness and darkness. And most importantly is he offers the promise of eternal life to each and every one of us. Again, many of us are living here. Many of us are here this morning and say, yeah, amen. Others of us are saying, well, how, 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 how do I get this? I, I'm, I'm broken. I, it seems bleak all around me. It seems like there is no hope how do I get this? I'm here to tell you that the presence of God will give you that hope in your life. The Apostle Paul made an appeal uh, for hope to those that were trusting in God in the early church in Rome. And he says this in Romans 15, 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. See, Paul said that said everything that had been written in the past, all the prophecy and fulfillment is meant to teach us how we are to hold on to faith, hold on to hope until God answers our prayers. 
So I'm here to ask you, Christian, what are you praying for? What are you hoping for? Whatever it is, I'm here to tell you that God, God will make it come to pass. God is faithful to his word. This last thing here is that we need to keep hope at the center of this season. There's a lot of things, okay? There's a lot of things that are, that, that are, uh, that, that are contending for your attention. But we need to keep hope at the center of the season. Don't allow the pressures of consumerism. Don't allow the pressures of uh, un, un, uh, unspoken expectations to push you down into a place where you're not able to, sometimes not even able to breathe. You feel like you're just overwhelmed. Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this all happen? We need to keep hope at the center of the season. There's a story I want to, I want to share with you. I'm going to read you this story. And uh, this, is, this is in closing um, that uh, Dr. James Dobson uh, uh, shared. Let, let me read it to you. It's a story of an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope. Uh, and she was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had died just a few months prior uh, through a slow developing cancer. Several days before Christmas, she was almost snowed in by a brutal weather storm. She felt terribly alone. So much so that she decided she was not going to decorate for Christmas. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rang and there was a delivery boy with a box. He said, Mrs. Thornhope, would you sign here? She invited him to step inside and close the door to get away from the cold. She signed the paper and said, what's in the box? The young man laughed and opened up the flap and inside was a little golden Labrador retriever. The delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old and completely housebroken. The young puppy began to wiggle in happiness at being released from the box. Who sent this? Mrs. Thornhope asked. The young man set the animal down and handed her an envelope and said, it's all explained here in this envelope, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift for you. The young man then handed her a book, How to Care for your lab retriever. In desperation, she asked again, who sent me this puppy? As the young man turned to leave, he said, your husband, ma'am, Merry Christmas. She opened the letter from her husband. She opened the letter from her husband. Sorry about that. She opened the letter from her husband. Um, who had written it three weeks before he had died and left it with the kennel, owners to be delivered with the puppy as his last Christmas gift to, to her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments or encouragements to be strong. He vowed that he was waiting for the day when she would join him in heaven. He had sent her a puppy to keep, uh, keep her company until then. Suddenly, Stella felt the most amazing sensation of hope washing over her. Her heart felt a joy and wonder greater than the grief and loneliness. And in the story, you just you see that obviously it's it's a uh, it's a man that loved his 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 wife and uh, was preparing for his departure. But even in the preparation of his departure, he wanted to prepare her for the next thing to come, and that's the hope that they would be again one day soon. And it's just like God. And prophecy. When you begin to read the prophecy, and it, it, 
regardless of the situation that you're in, regardless of the hopelessness or the darkness that surrounds you all around, that it's just like God, that in the time that we need him just the most, that he shows up. And in those moments when he shows up, it's like hope is restored. Like it's a breath of fresh air. Maybe even for some of us, it's, it's the ability to breathe again. And this is the hope of the gospel, that God said that he was going to do it, and he did it already. And he said he'll do it again, and because he did it then, I can believe that he'll do it now. And so, as we're moving through this season, I want us to keep this top of mind that, God, there is hope in you. Yeah, I appreciate the, 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 the season. I appreciate the family. I appreciate all of those things that I get, to, I get to experience and participate in. And I would tell you, speaking from experience, to cherish the moments that you have with your loved ones. But never forget, never forget that Christ is at the center of this, that there is hope at the center of this season. So if you're here, would you just bow your head with me? Let's pray. So Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the hope that we could find in you. We thank you, God, for the example. Father, the evidence, Lord, that we could look at in your scripture that you are faithful, God, that you're merciful, that you're gracious. Father, that you've prepared all of this in advance for us. And I pray in this season, God, where there may be hopelessness, where there may be darkness, there may, there may be a lot of questions that surround us. I pray, God, that hope would come alive, that it would be a light that would shine through the darkness. It would be just like that century plant, just blossom in our lives. Father, that we find renewed strength and renewed hope. And we thank you, God, for your goodness in Jesus' name. Before we go any further, I, I, I want to give an opportunity to, to respond. And like I said, uh, when, when I say things like this, I understand that there's potentially a split in the room where many of you are sitting here saying, yes, Pastor Isaac, this is the hope that keeps me going every single day. And I appreciate that. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's the hope that keeps me going every single day when things get tough. But there's other folks in this room that don't have that same confidence. You don't have that same hope. In fact, you feel like things are pretty desperate in the season. And so if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I need that hope in my life. I, I, I don't have that same confidence. I don't have that same expectation that God is going to work things out. I need Christ in my life. I'm not living for the Lord. I've turned my back on him or I've walked away. or I've never even committed to him. If you're here this morning and that's you, I want you just to lift your hand. Just take some time. Anybody here this morning, just say, you know, Pastor Isaac, I, I don't have that hope. I need that hope. I need Christ in my life. Anybody at all here this morning? Hand, hand going up on his heart. Praise God. Another hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? Just a few more moments. This is important. It's important. You don't have to walk around with that desperation. You don't have to walk around with that brokenness. God's promise is that he gives us beauty for ashes. What does that mean? Your brokenness, the things that are all jacked up in your life, that we would exchange that for this hope that I'm talking about. Anybody else? Just real quick. Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning. You say, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I've walked with the Lord, but in the season right now, I can tell you, I have walked away from God. If you're here this morning, God is calling you back. And if you want to, if, if you want to acknowledge that this morning, just lift your hand just real fast. Anybody at all. You won't be by yourself. There's already 
those that have responded, anybody? Amen. Well, I'm gonna ask if you would all stand with us and while we pray. And um, brother, I would ask if, if you raise your hand, you, you meant that, would you just come up here with me? Just stand right here. I just wanna pray with you. Come on. Will's going to pray with you. All right, we're going to lead them in the, in the sinner's prayer. Okay, please. Church, I want to um, I, I want to open up the altars, and uh, if you're out there, and uh, maybe you're maybe you're carrying some of this weight of of the pressure of the season, I, I want to tell you that let's refocus. Let's kind of recalibrate our, our minds around what is the purpose, what is the significance of the season. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I just need to, I need, I need to reconnect with, with God. I need to get things right. I need to put priorities in proper order. I'm going to ask if you would just get out of your seat. Just come and just, just come and pray at the altar. They're going to lead us in a song of worship. Come on, just get out of your seat. Just come and just come and just you and God, come and speak to the Lord. I believe that God will restore hope in those areas in your life where you feel Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.